Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Hey, how y'all doing? I'm so happy to be here, so happy to be preaching at home. This is such a wonderful home. When I'm here, everybody loves on me and spoils on me and gives me plenty prophetic words, and it's just great to be here. So I have eight books. I don't know why I only have five of them here. They're out in the back on the lobby, and you can just get them for any donation to Bethel Cameroon, mostly because I don't have my square and I don't have change, so... Just give me what you got. We're going to do it that way. Is, is Nicole here? Nicole Sharon? Okay, she didn't come. Who am I going to get this book to? Who reads avidly? Like you will swallow a book. You won't sleep because you re- you're so busy reading. Let's see. Let's see. Who's like the biggest person that, that reads too much? He ain't going to really read women's fiction. It's women's fiction now. It's women's fiction. Who's Barbara? Who's Barbara? Oh, Barbara. Okay, Barbara, come. Here we go. (laughs) We meet Barbara halfway. Okay, love you. Okay, how many of y'all saw my Facebook post about what I was talking about today? Yes. Okay, for those of you that didn't see, today we are talking about I am Wonder Woman. How many of you have seen the movie Wonder Woman already? Oh, man. How many people plan to see it and you haven't yet? Sorry, I am going to spoil it. I am. But I'm going to be very vague. I promise. It's just too good not to preach. I'm going to be very vague and I'm not going to spoil it. And so it'll be fine. You'll be fine. And then when you go see it, you're going to see the kingdom in it and you might not have caught it before. Okay. How many of you were here? Was anybody here for first service? I don't know why. But for some reason, it just feels so inauthentic just to tell the, the same jokes again. It's just like, you just told that joke before, but I'm, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to tell my jokes. They're like written in. So I am not a comic fan. I, I, I haven't seen all the comic movies. I really am. That's just not one of the things that I do, see comic movies. But when I got to town, my friend Erica, she was here first service. She said, we got to go see Wonder Woman. And she created a, a group chat for us to figure out when we were going to see it. And then we were seeing it after church, and she shows up with these boots laced up to here. I'm like, okay. Apparently, I need to take this seriously because this is, okay, Wonder Woman. We're going to see Wonder Woman. So, you know, I'm just going to hang out with the girls. I haven't seen them in forever. And we get to the movie, and it was amazing. And we were in one of those fancy movies where they have the recliner chairs, and so you're laying out in the chair, and I'm in the chair when the fighting scenes, I'm in battle, I'm kicking, I'm just going for it, and run, and Erica's like, okay, I didn't know we did this in the movies, you know? Yvette's on the other side, she's like, yeah, I've known her for 20 years, we do this in the movies, we talk to the screen, we fight in the movies, so it was just, I just felt like Wonder Woman when I was watching, and I felt amazing, and just, it was great, it was really great, so... For those of you that are super religious, and I said this joke. See, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say I said this joke in the first. We're fine. Okay. So don't get religious on me because I'm going to be saying, and I'm going to have you say, I am Wonder Woman. We're going to give the guys something else to say. Don't be religious because I don't want the guy saying I am Wonder Woman. That's probably not okay. But, but don't get religious. I don't want to hear about how Greek mythology is demonic and I'm leading you into it. I don't want to hear that. Okay, I don't, don't give me that. It is a metaphor. Say metaphor. Say kingdom parallels. 
I'm an artist. I love art. I love to find the kingdom in all expressions of art. That's what we're going to do. Don't, and, and I would say, I, I'm glad I'm not famous because if, if folk be sending me an email talking about the Lord, no, don't, don't be emailing. Don't tell, look, kingdom parallels and metaphors, okay? That's what we're going to find in Wonder Woman. So everybody, you with me? Okay, good. Everybody say, all the women say, I am Wonder Woman! Oh my God, you guys say it great. First, first I said, you know, first of all, they a little calm. I'm like, come on, let's take it. So I don't want the guys to say I am Wonder Woman because that's just kind of really not cool. Um, and so my baby sister is an avid comic fan. She's read them all. She's seen them all. She knows them all. So I call her up and I say, who is somebody comparable to Wonder Woman that the guys can say their name? And she goes, oh, Percy Jackson. And she starts to tell me a story and she's going on and on and on. But I'm just hearing the word Percy Jackson and I'm like, isn't that the old deacon that used to sit on the third row and fall asleep in church and then after church he go out back and smoke a cigarette? Percy, Percy, Percy Jackson. I can't have the guy say Percy Jackson. That just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So then she's like, seriously? I'm like, yeah, seriously. She's like, what if you saw it? I'm like, no, no, no. And so then she says, well, try Hercules. And so she tells me his story and I'm like, yes, that will work. So the men, you're going to say, I am Hercules. No, y'all can't let the women out, do y'all? Come on, I need to hear some bass. Come on, men. One, two, three. Yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, okay. And so we're just, we're gonna be saying this over and over um, because I want us to, I want us to take that in, what it feels like to be a superhero that's called to save the world. So... I've been having a lot of sweet, intimate moments with God lately, and he's just being really sweet because he asked me to start a new school. We've been in Cameroon for the last seven years. We just graduated our seventh class of radical revivalists, and it's been amazing. I was burnt out and tired, and I went to Kenya to relax, to enjoy, to drink lattes, to eat Ethiopian and Indian food, and to just relax and go on safari and I get there and within a week of getting there I get a prophetic word you're you thought you were on vacation but you're not on vacation God has called you to build an apostolic work in Kenya and from Kenya you're going to take all the nations of Africa I'm like what happened to my vacation so you know you know you know how if a guy messes up with his girl and he's bringing her flowers and sweet things I feel like God is just being real extra sweet to me because he knows he just put a whole new country on my back. And so he's been really, really sweet. This week I was getting ready to exercise and I woke up too early, so it was still dark outside. So I'm looking at my weather app, trying to see what time the sun is gonna come up. You know, like, I don't wanna walk in the dark. I, I'm overcoming a fear of snakes, let's put it that way. So I don't, I don't wanna walk outside when it's still dark. I need the sun to be up. I need to be able to see that a stick is a stick and a hose is a hose. I don't wanna walk. So I'm waiting for the sun to come up and I'm looking at the weather app and it starts to peek through and God says to me, he goes, you know, I make the sun come up every day. I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, you do. And he goes, and he just let it sit there. You know, sometimes you're moving too fast and you don't really catch the revelation. And I thought about it, like how long has the earth been the earth and how long has the sun been coming up every day and how long has it been predictable so much so that they could build an app and tell you what time the sun is going to come up every day and that he does not set a timer to wake the sun up every day. He set things in motion from the beginning of time so that the sun would know what to do and to come up every day. And it's constant, it's consistent. There's no cosmic anything that's happened where the sun hasn't come up. I'm like, wow, God, you're pretty amazing. So then I'm outside and I'm power walking and power walking and I look up and you know how sometimes the moon is still there in the sky and you can see it. So I was looking at the sun. I was looking at the moon and I'm like, 
oh God, you're amazing. And I just, you're the God of the universe. You're the God that rules over the whole earth. And I just felt just the weight of his glory and, and who he is as the God of the universe. And so I, you know, spent the rest of my time power walking, just worshiping and loving on him. And it was a great walk. We had a sweet time together and I didn't think anything else about it. So we're going to have a vulnerable moment. I love to, well, I don't really love to, but I have agreed with God that I'm going to share my faults and flaws so that people can grow from them. Don't love it, but I'm willing to. Let's put it that way. So please grow from whenever I share a fault and a flaw. Don't make me be naked and vulnerable for no reason. So take what you can get from this and grow as much as possible. But I have, all of my life, had a problem with fear and anxiety. And I have been through prophetic deliverance and every kind of deliverance and have had prophetic words and sozos and, you know, training tools, how to change your mind not to live in fear. And I've gotten so much better. Like, and I have tools that whenever it rises up, I know what to do. I can rebuke fear. I can speak against fear. I can do, I have a lot of tools. So me and, and fear and anxiety have this thing where I win most of the time, except for when I don't. And that's usually when I choose, <laughs> that's usually when I choose not to. You know, you have that moment where you decide, hey, I'm going to be victorious or I'm just going to give into this and just, uh. so it seems like whenever things are a little bit more stressful, I have to fight a little bit more. And so as I'm getting ready to go to Kenya in three weeks to a brand new country in Africa to launch a brand new program in a brand new place with brand new people and we haven't got the visas yet for my staff, so I don't even know if I'm just going to be there alone or be like, Laura, I'm going to need you to come teach some classes, for real. That is on the table. If we don't get visas, you need to get a plane ticket, for real. Uh, okay, for real. Where's Kurt? <laughs> Kurt, I'm going to need you to know that if my people, but they are, because God said that they would, so I just trust them they will. But all these anxieties have been building up and all these fears, you know, am I... Am I just, is this going to work? We're, we're trying, I mean, it just feels like at times that Cameroon was magical, you know, and it just, everything has worked so perfectly and it's grown and the glory of the Lord shows up. It's more amazing than my wildest dreams. But what if it doesn't happen again? Which is a stupid question because what if it does? But at three o'clock in the morning, these are the things that go through your mind. And I'm one of those people that I'm always thinking I have a beautiful mind and that's, not necessarily a good thing. So at three o'clock in the morning, if I happen to wake up from sleep, it is very difficult for me to get back to sleep because my mind is thinking and thinking and thinking and I can't find the switch to turn it off and I'm worrying about this and I'm thinking about that and I'm worrying about this and I'm thinking about that and I just, I can't make it stop and I've learned to make it stop. One of the things that God has taught me is whatever you're worrying about, that thing is in the bed with you. So if I'm up worrying about the sermon that I'm gonna preach on Saturday, that means all of you are in my bed. Not cool at all. So this week I had to put all of you out of my bed so that I could sleep. And, and people from work, I had to put them out of my bed. I mean, it's just, he's showing me, don't do this at night. Don't think about this at night. And if you do, all these people are in the bed with you. Is that what you want? No. So I was awake thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. And I asked God, what do I need to do to be calm? That's one of my questions. Okay. You see me freaking out. It's been an hour. Been awake for an hour. What do I need to do to calm down? And it's so funny that Lindy shared that vision because she had shared it earlier this week. And that's exactly what he showed me. He said, right now you're on the bottom floor and all the sticks and all the stones and all the worries and the debris and all the care is just beating you up. It's clobbering you. It is about to take you out if you let it. And he said, go up some floors, go up some floors and go to the top of the building and go to that place where you're seated in heavenly places and where you're not worried, where you look down and everything that you're worried about right now looks so, so small. 
And so I just was, I started to worship and I started to ascend. It was almost like I could feel myself on an elevator ascending and ascending and ascending. And I got to the top of the building and I just, I felt no worries. I felt no cares. I felt nothing. And I just was like, okay, we can fall back asleep. And then just as I'm drifting off to sleep, I hear his voice boom in the room. I'm bigger than you think. I'm like, well, okay, thought you were trying to put me back to sleep, but apparently we're about to have an encounter, so okay. I mean, it just was a thunderous, I'm bigger than you think, and I'm like, okay, what are you telling me? What do you want to show me? And instantly, he carried me back to a message. It was a video that we watched way back in the early days of Bethel Atlanta when we were still in the house, and I can't remember who it was or even what they were talking about. I couldn't find it today if I wanted to. But the person was saying, he was explaining God as the God of the universe. I'm going to get back to Wonder Woman. Just, I'm getting there. I promise. I'm coming around the back way to get to Wonder Woman. So he, the person was teaching on the God of the universe. And he said, you know, we are one solar system. And he showed a picture of the solar system and all the planets and the moons and all that kind of stuff. And he said, but if you take a step back, our solar system is part of a larger solar system. And it has this many planets and this many moons and this many suns. And if you take another step back, that solar system is a part of a much bigger solar system. And the person just kept taking steps back, steps back, and naming planets, and naming galaxies, and naming universes. And by the time he finished, it was this huge, vast, unimaginable, unfathomable, unmeasurable universe, and the earth was a tiny dot. And he showed the whole galaxy and how earth was so tiny in relationship. And he said, we worry so much, but God is the God of the universe, and he's in control of everything, and he rules over everything, and he set this whole system into motion with a word. What are you, what are you worried about? And so I'm in my bedroom, and I, it got really kind of weird and scary because I felt like the room was expanding, and I was in the middle of all these galaxies and planets and worlds, and, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it just it felt like, whoa. And then I started to think about how I was going to preach it, and I messed up the encounter because I was, you know, trying to put the sermon together. But I felt the bigness of God, and I felt just who he is. And the next morning, I woke up, and I started just looking for scriptures, and he led me to Psalm 104, and then Isaiah 40, where it's just talking about how he spoke the world into existence, how he put the mountains on a scale, and how the seas are not even big enough to fit in the, the, the palm of his hands. And it just painted this picture of this amazing, glorious, powerful, creative, in charge of the entire universe, God. Something about that brought me so much peace and so much comfort that I'm worried about all this little stuff going on in Kenya, and he's ruling over galaxies. And yet at the same time, he knows my name, and every hair on my head is numbered. What am I worried about? What am I fearful? I mean, that's an anxiety buster right there, you know? He's the God of the universe. And then he led me to other scriptures that just demonstrate his beauty and demonstrate his glory. And... Um, he just showed me like the picture of himself in the book of Exodus where he comes on the mountain and he displays his glory there for the first time to the nation of Israel. And literally the whole mountain was quaking and smoking as if it was on fire and there was the sound of thunderings and lightnings and a tumultuous army. 
And they were so afraid because they were beholding the glory. And it looked like the mountain was on fire, but it wasn't on fire. It was just the presence of God there. And I realized in that moment, you know, I love intimacy with God. And I love being close to him. But I realized that sometimes in pressing into intimacy, I make him a man. I make him my buddy. I make him the one that I sit on his lap and he kisses me and he talks to me. But somehow in that, and I got to work on this, he loses his majesty. He becomes familiar. He becomes God, my husband, my father, my love, but he becomes this size. And in that room that night, I just felt how huge he was, how expansive he was. Like there was a moment where it felt like I said, because he said, I'm bigger than you think. And I asked the dumb question, well, how big are you? And all of a sudden, I felt like I saw the iris of an eye, but it was huge. It like filled the whole room. And so can you imagine how huge he is if just his iris, and I saw a blink, like his eyelashes blinked across. And I was like, whoa, okay, never mind. I want to know. I want to know. Because you are, you're about to blow my mind, and I'm not sure, like, if I sit here long enough, I think my brain is going to explode because you're showing me how big you are. You're showing me how amazing you are and how glorious you are. And I think about scriptures in the book of Ezekiel where it talks about the wheel in the middle of the wheel and the fire and the creatures and the the glass sea of heaven and the throne and how he appeared as one that was amber and fire from the waist down and pure fire from the waist up. Like images of the glory and the majesty of God can absolutely blow your mind and they can just make you understand who he is. Throughout the book of Revelations, throughout the book of Ezekiel, like There was one time that I was having an encounter and I felt like one of the seraphim, cherubim thingies was like kind of there. And you know, they have one face of an eagle, face of an ox, face of a a man. I can't remember the last one. And then they have these huge wings, all these wings and all the wings have eyes in them. Can you imagine like if you saw one of those things, like you walked up on this thing? I mean, we get familiar with God, but he's glorious. He's otherworldly. He is this... We can't understand him. We can't explain him. He is majestic. He's royal. He's the ruler over all the universe. And I just was overwhelmed in that moment at four o'clock in my bedroom, just at the glory of God. KLA Kenya, I just wasn't even thinking about. I wasn't thinking about any worries, any visas, any money. I wasn't worried about anything. I was, I was more worried about, oh my God, he's big. He's going to kill me. It was just terroristic glory. His glory was so great and terrible. If you look through the Bible, any of these guys that had an experience with the glory and the majesty and the royalty and the sovereignty of God, their reaction was extreme. I mean, Daniel, it said he just went completely weak, like his bones turned to nothing and God had to strengthen him so he could stand up. When John saw Jesus in the book of Revelation, it says he fell on his face like a dead man. When we behold the glory of God, it overwhelms us. It does something to it. Ezekiel was caught up in a vision, and God showed him all this stuff and showed him his glory and showed him his majesty. Then he picked him up by the lock of his hair and carried him from one place to another one to finish the the, the vision. And it says that Ezekiel sat there astonished for seven days. I mean, can you imagine? I have this really bad habit now. Like, I've been on social media too much, and I, I, I use emojis all the time. And so now when I'm talking, I, I'm, using, I'm making emoji faces. It's really strange. But can you imagine Elijah? I mean, Ezekiel gets picked up, and he gets carried all, and he just sits there for seven days. Blank stare emoji. Like, just dazed and confused for seven whole days because he's encountered the glory of God. And I just, 
I began to wish that for all of us, that we could begin to encounter his glory in such ways that it dissipates all our fears, all our worries, all our anxieties. And what happened to each one of those guys when they beheld the glory of God, when they experienced the glory of God, it launched them into a a new dimension of their destiny. I love the scripture in the book of Daniel 11 where it says, and the people that know their God shall do great exploits. When you see his majesty, when you see his dominion, when you see his glory, it makes you great. Let the women say, I am Wonder Woman. Let the men say, I am Hercules. Hercules. Oh, you guys sound amazing. Awesome, awesome. There was an encounter I had once. It was the first time, you know, when I, I, I'd never had encounters before. I had some, but not like here, not like here. When I came to Bethel, I started having encounters, and it's just, it's been amazing. I just released supernatural encounters with the presence of God on every single person listening. And I had this encounter, and it was the first time I actually saw the glory of God. And I, I walked up these stairs into the throne room, and when the door opened, it was blinding glory. It was so glorious that I could not see. I just literally had to shield my eyes and had to take a few minutes to get used to it. And I feel like God did something in my eyes to make me able to look. And his throne was pure gold, but it wasn't like a gold that we know. It was an otherworldly, amazing, glorious gold. And there was this beautiful crystal stream. It was like liquid crystal with a diamond floor, this river running through the throne of heaven. And, and it just, there was a pillar that was there and it was encrusted with diamonds and all sorts sorts of beautiful jewels. And I, I, I had a small glimpse of the glory of heaven, the majesty of heaven, the royalty of heaven, the beauty of heaven. And I had a similar reaction like Isaiah, woe is me, I'm an unclean man. And I just, I found myself covering myself and shifting out of the presence of God, just backing upwards. Like I don't deserve to be here. This is too glorious. And I'm just a person. And I, I felt like the father said, Sherry, stop, where are you going? Stop backing up. Look at yourself. So it was the first time I beheld his glory. And then when I looked at myself, it was the first time I beheld my glory. And I was dressed in this royal robe that was made of pure gold. And there were golden strands weaved in between my locks. And I looked down and I had this amazing heavenly pedicure. My nails, seriously, my toenails were painted with gold and there were diamonds encrusted in it. And it was the first time that I understood myself to be a glorious creature, a royal son of a royal king. There's a revelation moment that comes when you behold his glory and then you realize that he shares his glory. And in that moment, you can say, yes. Okay, so this is where we get to the movie. If there's anybody that just really doesn't want me to spoil it, you have like five minutes to walk out the door. So here's the metaphor, and I promise I'm really vague. It won't spoil it, it's, it's really vague. So here's the metaphor. Um, Wonder Woman is Princess Diana. She's the daughter of Hippolyta, or however you ever say it. And, and the, she is among a race of Amazon women that was created by Zeus 
to destroy the God of war, this evil God, and to protect the world from war and evil. And her mother created her from clay, and then Zeus blew into her, and she became a living being. And she was created to save the world from evil. Again, I want to hear it. I know it's Greek mythology. I'm not advocating Greek mythology. It's just a good story. Don't be binding demons. Don't be, don't do all that. It's all right. It's all right. It's art. It's a metaphor. Say metaphor. Okay, good. We good. And, and, and as I was watching, I'm like, isn't that just who Jesus was? Because she was born of a woman who was overshadowed by God. And she came and she did great exploits because of that God in her. And, and Jesus was that. But isn't that who we are as well? We're human beings and we carry the DNA of God. And because of that, we are able to save the world from evil and to establish the kingdom of God on the earth. Amen? So that's who we are as Wonder Woman, as Hercules. We are supernatural beings. We're humans, but we're infiltrated with the DNA of heaven, and that makes us powerful. That makes us glorious. That makes us able to do great exploits. The movie opens with her as a little girl. Again, I'm going to be vague. I promise it's going to be all right. And she sneaks out of school and she runs to go watch the Amazon warrior women training. And she's trying to hide because her, her governess is calling for her and looking for her and trying to make her go back to school. So she tries to hide, but she can't help herself. As she's watching them kicking and, and swinging their swords and moving, she's, she's a little girl. She's just like, ah, ah, ah. And she's just fighting and kicking and, 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 and becoming who she is. Because she was born for war. She was fashioned and created for war and to save the world from evil. And so even from childhood, she was drawn to her destiny. She was drawn to be who she was called to be. And she couldn't stay away from it. She couldn't resist it. She could not help herself. And the minute she saw someone doing what she was born to do, it awakened that within her. And she just ha, ha, came alive and was fighting and fighting and fighting. Whenever I'm teaching on purpose and destiny, it's one of my favorite messages to teach. I always ask people, go back to when you were a child. What pretend games did you play? What did you want to be when you were little? It'll give you great clues to your purpose and destiny. When we come fresh out of heaven, we are untainted by life and society and parents and all these fears and lies and everything that keeps us from doing and being what we're supposed to do and be. And so when you're playing pretend games as a child, you know, think about yourself and then watch your children. What pre pretend games did you play? I used to, my, my, my aunt named me Miss Black America when I was four because I always had a microphone in my hand and I was always on a stage and I was talking, I was singing, I was inspiring, I was doing something just on a stage with a mic in my hand from the age of four. Nobody taught me that. It was in me. It was natural. It was innate. It was who I was born to be. I used to line up my little baby cousins when I used to babysit them, and I'd give them assignments, and I'd make them take tests, and I'd grade the tests, and I'd discipline them. I'm the teacher. I'm the director. I did. I had fun because I had authority so I could discipline. I, I'm the director of a school of ministry, and I teach for a living not sure that minister, missionaries make a living, but I teach for a living. And so that was a clue when I was little of something I was born to do. My mom tells this embarrassing story of when I was four and I was on the, the living room floor. She was in the kitchen and every few minutes I'd run into the kitchen and ask her how to spell a word that had something to do with reproductive anatomy. And I don't know what I was writing to this day, but I wrote my first book when I was four years old. 
So just like little Diana in the movie who couldn't help but sneak out and watch the fight and just would fight and fight and fight, when I was four, I began doing all the things that I was born to do, that I was created to do. I was living and walking in my purpose and destiny at four years old. Just take a moment and think back to who you were when you were little. What pretend games did you play? What did you want to be when you grew up other than a fireman and a ballerina and all those things? But what did you really want to be? That'll give you clues to your destiny. As a young woman, Wonder Woman snuck to be trained for battle. She'd get up in the middle of the night and go and her and her aunt, her aunt was training her and, and she would go to war because she couldn't help herself. She wanted to be trained. She wanted to be what she knew on the inside of her that she was supposed to be. The time came for her to answer the call. Someone came and said, there's a war going on. And she knew that her destiny was to end war. She was supposed to kill the war god. And her mother was like, no, 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 we're staying here. We're not going out there. It's not safe out there. And she goes, no, this is what I was born to do. And in the middle of the night, she sneaks away to go, and to, 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 go to battle, to go to war. And no matter how much it may inconvenient to you, no matter how much it might be scary, when it is time for you to answer the call of your destiny on your life, if you're listening and if you're undistracted and if you're courageous, you'll go for it no matter what, at what, at no matter what cost. Her mother said, because they were living on an island separated from the rest of the world, and her mother said to her, you may never come back. You might never see us again. We might never see you again. And you're going to a very dangerous place. Those people out there don't deserve you. you could, things could go really, really bad. And she goes, it doesn't matter. This is what I was born to do. This is who I am. You know the thing that made me sad? So me and Erica and Yvette are sitting in the car just dissecting the movie afterwards. And we said, all these warrior women are on this island training for war and preparing for war just in case war hits the earth. And then when war came and they were asked to come do something about it, they said, no, we're going to stay here on the island where it's safe. Isn't that just like the church? Ouch. How many of us just stay within the four walls of the church and we never go out to where the war is? Like, they looked ridiculous. Like, you guys are all day. You're slinging swords. You're shooting arrows. You're doing all this stuff for war. And then when war comes, you're like, nah, we're going to stay right here. And that's what we do in the church so often that when it comes time for us to actually do something about the battle that's being waged in the world, we stay in our comfort zone. And we're not willing to risk our lives. We're not willing to risk our hearts. We're not willing to risk everything for the sake of our destiny and for the sake of saving the world. It cost me a lot to go to Cameroon and, and be away from my family and my parents and you guys and everything comfortable and wonderful. But I can't not do it. I can't. It's costing me a lot to go to a new nation. It's, it's scary. It's daunting. It's overwhelming. It's, you know, in Cameroon, I minister to all young people. The people that are signed up for KLA Kenya are pastors of churches. I'm like, okay. You know, they're like, we want to get trained more. We want to know more. And I've started this church and I built this church. One lady is like, I have one church in Sudan and one church in Kenya. I'm like, why don't you teach me? I mean, you know, and so it costs me something, but I know who I am. I know the destiny of my life. I know what I'm called to do. And if I don't do it, if Diana, if Wonder Woman didn't go to the war, the whole world was going to be destroyed. 
if every single one of us as Christians don't answer the call of God on our lives, the whole world is going to be destroyed. We have to leave our comfort. We have to leave our paradise. We have to leave where we are and run to the war. She was so courageous. There was one scene, you know, at the beginning. Okay, let me go back a little bit. She was, she was moved by compassion. So she's headed toward the war. She wants to go destroy the God of war. And there's one scene where they're moving. They're, they're really going fast to get there. And this woman is holding a baby and she stops her and she says, you got to help us. We've been here for years. We don't have food. There's nobody helping us and we're all going to die. And she turns, Diana, Wonder Woman turns to the rest of their team and she goes, we have to help these people. And like, focus. We can't help everybody. This is a very big war. If you stop and help everybody you see, you're not going to be able to get everything accomplished. We got to keep going. And she's like, no way. This is a great scene because she's been covered up wearing this dress. And she busts out of her clothes and she's like, no, we're going to save these people. And she goes over this hill and there's all these bullets and everything flying towards her. But she was moved by compassion. And that's how we have to be. In our purpose and destiny, it can't be about us, what we want to accomplish, what we want to do. Our motivation has to be compassion. These people will die without us. If we don't move, these people will die without us. I'm moved by compassion, and I'm not worried about all the bullets flying in this direction. I'm not worried about the report that says everybody that has tried this has died. I'm going to rise up and be who I was called to be, moved by compassion, and I'm going to save these people. And she busts up over this hill, and she's got her Wonder Woman outfit on, and she runs to the roar, full of courage, full of compassion, full of love. And it's only in that moment that we, the watchers of the movie, realize what Wonder Woman is capable of. Because before, you've just seen her kind of sparring with the, you know, the other women in, in, uh, on her island, and you don't know what she can do. But she's got all these guns whizzing at her, and she's, she's fighting everything off, and nothing can touch her, and nothing can kill her. And you realize, oh, she's powerful. There's one scene where all these bullets from all these guns are coming right towards her, and she holds up her shield, and it's like, and nothing touches her. And you're like, yes! This is the moment I was like kicking and fighting and screaming the most. And I'm like, hold up the bracelets, hold up the bracelets. But she didn't hold up the bracelets. She didn't have to. She just held up her shield. And she fought off everybody. And you realize, oh, I didn't know she was like that bad. You know, I'm not a super uh, hero comic, so I don't know what they can do. So I didn't know she could do all that. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Wonder Woman is bad. I mean, she can, you know. And how many of that us is like, is it like that for Like, you won't know until you're in the heat of the battle. You won't know until you go to the front lines of the battle what you're capable of. You won't know what you carry on the inside until you're right there and all the guns are coming towards you. In that, I don't know whether she knew, but in that moment, I knew as the watcher, she is invincible. I got real excited. I was like, oh, we're going to tear some stuff up. Wonder Woman is bad. I didn't know who I was and what I carried until I got to Cameroon. I'd taught a Bible study before. I'd ministered in churches before. I'd sing praise and worship before. But when I got to the front line of the battle in Cameroon, in the middle of my destiny, into the place that I was called to be, I realized and have continued to realize exactly what's on the inside of me. And there's nothing more strengthening than that, to just realize, hey, 
the Holy Spirit lives in me. I can do this. I can conquer this. This hardship came, but I held up my superpower bracelet. I almost went to Walmart and got me a Wonder Woman concert. I just need y'all to know. I was going to come with the bracelets and the tea. I was not going to wear the shorts, though. That was not happening. But I was, I was going to. So it's only when you're in the middle of battle that you realize what you're capable of. If you sit at home, if you stay within the four walls of the church, you'll never know how powerful you are. You'll never know how gifted you are. You'll never know the gifts and the power that God has deposited in you to fulfill your destiny. It's only in the middle of the battle that you begin to realize I am Wonder Woman. Say it, say it, say it. I am Wonder Woman. Yes. Yeah, okay. You guys are making me so happy. Y'all get me pumped. I'm not going to sleep tonight. Ah. <laughs> the next point. Oh, where's my notes? Lord, help me, Jesus. Where's my notes? Where's my notes? Okay. The next point is she was destroying what she thought was the enemy. She was destroying what she thought was the God of war. And right before she kills him, she holds up her sword and she says, I am Princess Diana, daughter of Hippolana, queen of the Amazons, and I am here to destroy you. And she uh, kills the guy. And for some of us, that's exactly what we need. We need to know our identity. She could call out her name. She knew where she was from, and she knew what she was born to do. And in that moment of self-affirmation, she was able to overthrow who she thought was the enemy. Some of us need to spend some time in the presence of God and have an identity check, an identity moment. God, who am I? Whose daughter am I? What am I called to do? What have you given me power to overcome? We need to begin to affirm ourselves. She said it a few times, I am Diana. When I get stressed out in Cameroon and frustrated and discouraged and I feel like we're going to be out of money and like things are happening bad and, and, and nothing's going to work, sometimes I have to just get by myself. I listen to my prophetic words, listen to them, and then I arise and I say, I am Sherry Lewis daughter of Robert and Joyce Lewis, daughter of Bethel, Atlanta. I am called to take nations. I'm called to restore the kingdom DNA to the nations of Africa. And then I raise my sword and I keep fighting. And some of us need to have those moments where we speak and proclaim and declare over ourselves exactly who we are. Amen? Then she has a crisis of faith where... Things don't go right, and she just begins to wonder, are these people even worth it? Like, I'm, I'm Princess Diana. I'm the daughter of Zeus. Are they even worth who I am? Her mother told her before she left, they're not worthy of you. And she just was like, why am I giving my life? Why am I giving myself away? You people are inherently bad anyway. Why am I trying to save the universe? And I feel like that happens to each one of us at, at critical periods of time where we just have moments where we just begin to wonder, not am I amazing, but are they worth it? Is this sacrifice worth it? Is this something I should give my life for? I'm running out of time. Y'all be patient. Y'all stay with me a little bit longer. Is that okay? Okay, we're good. Okay. So I had this crisis of faith. I've had a lot of crises of faith in Cameroon. We've had, you know, I've told y'all before, I'm not going to keep whining about it. We've had a lot of people die. We've had moments when we didn't have enough. I mean, we just had some crises. And so this time it was a different crisis of faith, although there were, anyway, we had a different crisis of faith and it was just me. 
I, this is my mom. She is the most loving person you ever want to meet on the planet. And she passed all of that down to me. And so I'm super loving. I, am, I have this mother heart that's just mush. And sometimes, that, most of the time that's great, but sometimes it's not great when, when I give too much and when I don't set boundaries and when I don't take care of myself because I'm so busy taking care of everybody else. So we were having a, a, there were a lot of things happening in Cameroon where I just felt I've been loving too much. I've been giving too much, and it's not healthy. And there were a couple of people on my staff that were not doing what they were supposed to do, and I didn't confront. I just kept loving them and just was being too nice. And then there was another person that I was giving something to, and they just got this sense of entitlement, like, like no, you need to give me some more. And I was like, look at here. Wait a minute. You know, I love you, but don't get crazy. And so I just, and, and then there were just some other things going on that made me feel, I just had this moment of I'm doing too much. I'm loving too much. I'm tired. I'm giving too much. And, and I got angry because in order for a mushy mother not to overdo it, anger is the only way I know how to protect myself. So I have to make myself real mad and think about all the stuff they did to upset me just so I can say no. Terrible flaw to have. And so I, I work myself up to this place of being mad. I'm going to tell them all. I'm going to tell them no. I'm going to set boundaries. I'm just going to, I'm not going to be like this anymore. And I actually said a prayer, God, make me not love so much. What kind of prayers? After all the prophecies I've gotten about being a loving mother, but I just, I said it in that moment, help me not to love so much. So I walk into to school that night and we're about to head into praise and worship and I got my, my mean face on. I'm like, I'm not going to love so much. I'm just, ah, ah. I need to be mean. You guys are going to take advantage of me. I just was like, and, and my kids were like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, ah, you're like, okay. She's having one of those days. And so there was a young lady who was a first year student. And um, I don't want to say too much, but I blessed her with something. And she's just been transformed the whole year. She's just become a brand new person. It's just been beautiful to watch the change. And I've poured a lot of love into her and she's just amazing. And so lately she tells me, you know, she tells me all the time when she sees me, the way I've never been loved before, the way you love me. Nobody has ever given to me the way you've given to me. You have made me a new person by the way you've loved me. And every time she says it, it just melts my heart. And I just feel grateful to be who I am most of the time. But this night I was like, no. And so I'm in praise and worship. My heart is hard. I'm not even worshiping. The kids are kind of walking by looking at me like, who did it? It wasn't me. And so I'm just, I'm just like, just making my, my heart hard. You know, we're in worship. I don't want my heart to melt in worship because I got to keep my resolve. And she walks in a little bit late and she's dressed beautifully and her hair is beautiful and her, her makeup is amazing. And she just looks amazing. She looks completely transformed. And she walks up by me and she says it again. Thank you for how you love me. Your love has transformed my life. And I'm like, Aah. oh, well, so much for being hard, so much for. And God spoke to me when I went home. I really melted. I just had a moment in praise and worship where I just wept and wept. And God spoke to me after praise and worship. And he says, you think that you make the mistake of loving too much. And he said, okay, if that is a mistake, if you're going to make a mistake, always err on the side of love. Yeah. <sighs> completely undid me, completely wrecked me. And so, of course, I'm just mush again. And so I had to decide in that moment, is this worth it? Are they worth my love no matter what? Is it worth me pouring out my whole life? Is it worth me pouring out my love? And the answer was, of course, in that moment where she held me and said, nobody has ever loved me the way that you do. It was a resounding yes. 
So we got over that crisis of faith, as did Diana in the movie. And so finally, we're getting to the, the climax of the movie. And like all superhero movies, there's this moment where you're just convinced that she's going to die. Like, she finally goes up against the god of war, and he is... Boy, he's working her over. He's throwing her here. He's throwing her there. He throws a truck at her. And you're like, oh, my God, Wonder Woman. Yo, like, like you're about to die. And, and you just you get worried. Even though you know it's a superhero movie, you know what's going to happen. You know she's going to win. But there is a moment where you're like, I don't know if she's going to make it. Like, like I don't know if she's going to make it. And so he throws her on the ground. And he pins her down with this metal thing. And he's ha, 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 ha. And he's saying all these evil God things over her. And you really wonder, how is she going to get up? I mean, she's weak from the fight. She's already discouraged from wondering if the world is worth saving. And she's down on the ground, and she just saw something horrible happen that broke her heart. And in that moment, you wonder, how is Wonder Woman going to get up? How is she going to do it? And in her mind, she goes back to a scene. And I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil it. But in that, in that scene, what she decides is, I may not believe in these people, and my mom might be right. They may not be worth it. But what I do believe in is love. And in that moment where she says, I believe in love, she, bah, she busts up off the thing. She, ah, rah, I don't know. Oh, no, this is the moment where finally the whole movie I'm screaming, put the bracelets together, kill them with the bracelets. So this is the moment she rises up and she goes, ah, and the, the evil God blew up and she won and it was amazing. But I love the fact that ultimately what saved the world was the fact that she believed in love. And that has to be the consuming force in every single one of us that causes us to chase after purpose and destiny, that causes us to want to save the world because we are overcome with and filled with the love of God and that no matter how difficult it is, no matter how hard it is, no matter how much it looks like we might be destroyed, we believe love wins. Okay, say it one more time, ladies. Yes, men, say it. Awesome. And I just believe that every single one of us needs to walk in the reality that we are superheroes, that we are born of a woman, but we are infiltrated with the DNA of God himself. And that every single one of us is called to save the world in our own unique way. We're all called to destroy the works of the devil and we're all called to demonstrate love so that love wins. Amen? Stand up for me. Let's, let's take the position. Everybody get your pose. Put your bracelets together. I just release, there you go. Mom, that's awesome. I release over you an overwhelming sense of purpose and destiny. I release over you an overwhelming sense of identity to know that you are amazing, that you are a wonder, that you are a superhero, that you have the DNA of heaven coursing through your entire body and that you are powerful, that you are called to destroy evil, that you're called to win the war against the enemy and that God has equipped you with everything that you need to win. I release into you supernatural love that will win no matter what. And I release to you courage and just a driving sense of purpose that no matter what, you're willing to give all and sacrifice all 
for the good of the kingdom, for the advancement of the kingdom. I bless you with courage. I bless you with fearfulness. I bless you with a sense of identity. I bless you to rise up and to know who you are and to pursue your purpose and destiny as a superhero. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.